The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. But the legal path just took Trump back to the truth. That I had won the election and he was a loser. Well, so knowing how his mind works now, he had one, he had one act left, one desperate act available to him, the violence of January the 6th. And since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. And what's Trump done? Instead of calling them criminals, he's called these, these insurrectionists patriots. There's the fake president back in January bragging, bragging about how many political dissidents his regime has put into prison. That's right, happening, happening right here in the United States of America. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com or just go to the Rumble channel, rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. Over there, you can leave some, uh, some comments or you can email the show td at thetrumpet.com. So the talking heads are exploding because it took Donald Trump three days, three days to come out with any kind of a statement about, uh, what is it, Sergei, I think, Sergei Navalny. Trump didn't criticize Putin, evidently. We'll get to Trump's statement here in just a second. But here Putin takes out this dissident. And when Trump finally does respond, which he did yesterday, he said, uh, the situation makes me think about those that are coming under political persecution here in America as well. And Joe Scarborough did not like that take. Here's, here's Putin literally getting away with murder. And it's all happening under Joe Obama's watch. That's what's crazy. Donald Trump's not in power at the moment. He had the election stolen from him. I mean, there, there are fruits of this communist insert, this communist takeover of the United States everywhere, whether it's the stolen election, whether it's putting political dissidents in prison and then bragging about it. Trump's right. His, his statement from yesterday, President's Day, it was right. There are some real similarities. It may not be a Siberian gulag, but they want to send him to prison for 700 years. The state of New York has fined Donald Trump a half billion dollars with the E. Jean Carroll case. That's what, 70-some million? And then 460 million? 
They want to bankrupt him. They want to destroy him financially. They want to put him behind bars. It's exactly what Putin does all the time. You don't cross Vladimir Putin or he'll throw you in jail. And uh, he may even murder you. Well, that's the spirit behind the regime running the United States of America at the moment. There he is, <laughs> there he is bragging about how many political dissidents he's put in jail. And then the people, they're there cheering, just, just like they were on Stephen Colbert's show. Once, once the announcement was made on Friday, that, yeah, New York is going to stick it to Trump to the tune of a half billion dollars almost. Listen to the, the clapping seals in one of the late night talk shows, clip 15. I got a room full of New Yorkers right here. Let me check. How do you feel about uh, Trump facing criminal justice? As I say, just like clapping seals, it's really pretty sad and pathetic. There, there are the residents, some of them, of New York City, even as these businesses are fleeing the scene, well, well, why wouldn't they? If you could go after Trump, it's just like I said with respect to Kathy Hochul, she's having to come out now and reassure real estate developers that, look, these laws, these laws that we're going after Trump with, if you can even call them that, uh, wouldn't, we're not going to come after you. I mean, you see, you're very different. It's just Donald Trump, the one that's being singled out here. So they, they clap and cheer, just like you would expect from a lynch mob. They clapped and cheered when, uh, when Joe Biden, the fake president, gave his speech commemorating the January 6th protest. What did he title it? Defending the sacred cause of American democracy. He's just out there defending democracy by throwing Trump supporters in prison by trying to get Donald Trump removed from the ballot in Colorado and Maine, and by trying to throw Donald Trump himself in prison, defending democracy. Good communist propaganda. Julie Kelly tweeted out, imagine the international outrage if a world leader bragged about the number of political dissidents he had arrested, charged, and imprisoned because they protested his election. And then she says, oh, wait, that's, that's actually happening. That's actually happening here in the United States. There are some pretty, some pretty strong parallels between the way the Putin regime rules and the way the Obama regime, let's call it what it is, rules here in America. Obama wrote about it. All the Marxist professors that he loved hanging out with when he was in college, a about a thousand people from January 6th have been arrested for trespassing. Nobody's been put behind bars for the so-called insurrection. That's a media narrative. That's a narrative that uh, Jack Smith is trying to get some traction for in court. But it's hard to do because there's no one that's actually been convicted for insurrection. And yet they want to throw Donald Trump behind bars for supposedly inciting an insurrection. 
or take him off the ballot in Colorado for supposedly inciting an insurrection. You see how important their propaganda narratives are for everything. I mean, how do you look, go right down the timeline? Russia invades Crimea under Obama's watch. That's in 2014. And then under, under Obama, well, it was Obama and John Brennan, we covered this last week, they ordered the hit on the Trump campaign and then the Trump presidency. And they used, they used Putin's Russia to sort of serve as the, the, the scaremongering. Russia meddled in the election in 2016. Now, when they, when they stole the election, Obama, in 2020, then, then Putin was very well behaved. But you just continue right on. I mean, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's under Joe Obama's watch. That's in 2021. We just handed over a military base with all the equipment to the Taliban. And then the next year, Russia invades Ukraine under Joe Obama's watch. And what else? Well, we swapped the arms trafficker for the WNBA basketball player. This is from the the morning brief. Russia is very clear. It doesn't fear America. After bumping off opposition leader Alexei Navalny, despite threats of dire consequences from Joe Biden. What about that, Joe Scarborough? What about the fact that Russia just took him out? This, uh, this political opposition, harsh critic of Vladimir Putin, he dies in some Siberian gulag, and that's on Trump? There was a, a reporter that actually suggested that yesterday. Yeah, teed up the question beautifully for the fake president. Can't, can you say that the Republicans are responsible? Hang on a second. Joe Biden's in the White House. Barack Obama's running the country from the basement as he joked about with Stephen Colbert. It says here, it says here, it's now taken another American hostage. That news broke earlier this week as well. They, and you can see why. I mean, if they can get an arms trafficker back for a WNBA player, why not take another American hostage? Hey, this is happening under Joe Obama's watch. How about that? It says here, an unnamed dual Russia-U.S. citizen from Los Angeles was arrested, Russian state media reported today. She's been accused of treason and faces up to 20 years in jail. And then uh, Richard Palmer writes here, the story should be no surprise. The U.S. gave up notorious arms trafficker Victor Bout to get basketball player Brittany Griner back, encouraging Russia to arrest more U.S. citizens. America has a lot of power, but it's too afraid to use it. And I would just add to that a little bit of a qualifier. America's not afraid to use its awesome power, whether it's in the DOJ or the FBI, as long as it's targeted at U.S. citizens that support Donald Trump. There was the fake president on January 5th, earlier this year, bragging bragging about how many Americans he's put in prison, even the years that they're sentenced to prison for trespassing. Meanwhile, the appeasement of Russia continues under Joe Obama's watch. That's been an established policy from the very beginning. 
Hillary going over there to hit the reset button. Barack Obama practically bowing down to ask for a little more flexibility or, or say that he had more flexibility once he secured re-election back in 2012. Russian appeasement or appeasement of Russia. Listen to the morning meltdown this morning as they finally, they finally have something to talk about because Donald Trump said something. He, he commented on Navalny's death and here's morning Mika, as Steve Bannon calls her, 16. So three days after Alexei Navalny died in a Siberian prison, Donald Trump finally addressed the tragedy yesterday and made it about himself. In a social media post, the likely 2024 Republican presidential nominee compared Navalny's death to his own situation, writing in part, quote, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country, adding, quote, we are a nation in decline, a failing nation. Sounds pretty good to me. Uh, Trump's statement from yesterday. Mika, they're quoting it. And then, and then you've got the breaking news uh, this morning. Naval Navalny, evidently, it's all over the Drudge Report. Navalny, he warned about Trump. Well, of course, it's so perfect. I mean, that's you talk about setting up a softball for the regime media here in the United States. Oh, yes. He was warning about Trump because, well, Trump Putin, you see, Trump Putin. In fact, it's the dear leader who shows a lot of similarities, has a lot of similarities to Vladimir Putin, the Prince of Raj. This is from Business Insider. It says, in Navalny's last letters, the Russian dissident called Trump's agenda for a second term really scary. That's all that they needed over at the morning meltdown. Yeah, he's, he's warning about Trump. It says, in a letter signed, or rather sent to a friend, a photographer named Evgeny Feldman, Navalny said, Former President Trump's agenda for a second term was really scary, according to the Times. So the regime media, they pick this up and they run with it. And then they, then they blame it on, they blame his death on Trump, or, or at least Republicans. Listen, listen to the regime media here, as they, it's a little hard to hear, but uh, as they set it up perfectly for uh, the fake president, clip 11. Mr. President, would you go as far as to say that election involves flooding on the hands of House Republicans right now? I think you've got to think they're making a big mistake not with Trump. The way they're walking away from the threat of Russia, the way they're walking away from NATO, the way they're walking away from being our obligation, is just shocking. I've been for a while. I've never seen you like this. In case you didn't hear it, that woman actually asked, would you go so far as to say that Alexei Navalny's blood is on the hands of House Republicans right now? She seriously is blaming this, N not on Putin, not on Joe Biden's appeasement of Putin, on Republicans, on the fact that Donald Trump doesn't come out with a statement within three seconds, evidently. He's gotta, he's gotta do it immediately. Donald Trump's just a private citizen of the United States, getting booted out of New York and, and attacked from every angle, 
Well, what's he supposed to do about Navalny's death? He's not even in the Oval Office. These people are so blinded by their rage, their Trump derangement syndrome. He, as Steve Bannon said earlier today, the Scarborough people, the the morning meltdown would not even have a show were it not for Donald Trump. Putin kills Navalny, and what's the story? Trump! There you go. Putin kills, Putin invades Ukraine. And what's the story? Trump! That's right. Somehow, I mean, somehow you got to make it about Trump, right? You, you see how that these people are masters at the misdirection. What is Biden going to do? <laughs> we just lost another American citizen. I guess it was a dual citizenship, but still. Another citizen of the United States taken into custody by Vladimir Putin and and probably is going to go off to prison for 20 years for treason. And Putin will probably brag about it. Just like like the dear leader brags about it here in the United States. I mean, you can... (laughs) You get any kind of update or report from the DOJ these days. It's, they're keeping, they're, it's like the daily tracker with COVID. Th- these are how many people we've prosecuted. This is how many people we've put behind bars. This is the, the length of their sentencing, all of these trespassers. This is, the, this, is, this is the number of convictions or confessions that we've gotten. Not one insurrectionist among them. Not one. Politico says here, 72 hours following the death of Alexei Navalny, Donald Trump made his first comments on the death of the Russian opposition. Finally, see, Politico's, why did it take 72 hours? He's the bad orange man. He loves Putin. He won't defend Navalny. They all, they all say the same things. The talking points are all the same, always. It says here, instead, the former president related his own legal woes to the death of Navalny, who died in prison on Friday. It says here, the sudden death, and this is quoting Trump, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It's a slow, steady progression with crooked, radical left politicians, prosecutors, and judges leading us down a path to destruction, open borders, rigged elections, and grossly unfair courtroom decisions are destroying America. We're a nation in decline, a failing nation. That's the bit that uh, Mika quoted. A failing nation. He's right. He's right. Politico says here, President Joe Biden and Trump's Uh, And Trump's remaining primary opponent in 2024, Nikki Haley, have directly blamed President Vladimir Putin for Navalny's death. Haley pointed out over the weekend how Trump has stayed silent on Navalny's death and called for the former president to answer whether he thinks Putin is responsible for Navalny's death. That's the big story, even for Nikki Haley. Trump has to say something. What about Joe Biden doing something? Is that part of the equation here? Is that going to be debated? You listen to these people melting down, full-scale meltdown mode. Here's one from the morning meltdown, clip 17. 
And why am I so angry? Why am I so angry about this? Because these are attacks on America. These aren't just attacks on Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. There, are, there, are, there are a few words. You, you have these freaks, weirdos, insurrectionists, radicals on the far, far right. They're not even the right now. They, they're, they're in mm-hmm. the Trump, the Trump death cult of a death cult for American democracy. And to make those comparisons are so grotesque. He, he's okay with calling the Trump supporters a death cult. But for Donald Trump to say, look, if you want to make a comparison here, let's make it between me and Navalny because they're trying to throw me in prison for hundreds of years. Look at all the, the, the pejoratives. Weirdos, insurrections, radicals, far right. Can't even call them the far right. They're a death cult. The, we're just... We're just, we're not even out of February yet. Eight, still eight, nine months to go. I mentioned yesterday, Kathy Hochul having to come out and clarify these rules that they're twisting and distorting in New York so that they can fine Donald Trump a half billion dollars. This was the, the key soundbite from this interview she had on a radio station in uh, in New York, clip four. The law-abiding and rule-following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because uh, they're very different than Donald Trump and his behavior. You know it's a rigged system. You know it's a two-tiered standard of justice. If she's, if she's going on the air saying, look, we're gonna treat you If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you're a real estate developer, we're going to treat you very different than we've been treating Donald Trump. It's like Sundance said, I gave you this yesterday, but he said, New York Governor Kathy Hochul has admitted the lawfare deployed against the Trump Organization and President Donald Trump himself was a specific plan for his targeting and any other business interests or people within New York should not be concerned. It was just a specific plan for him. And, and you'll notice they, they even went after his two sons. So they can't run the, the Trump businesses in New York either. They just want him out. It's like I said yesterday. I mean, how, how stupid do you have to be to just go and, and shoot yourself in the foot economically? And then you add to that story from what we talked about yesterday. You've got all these truckers now lining up like we're going to have another Canadian-style <laughs> trucker convoy. Except in this case, they're boycott- they want to boycott New York City. I don't know how many are behind the movement. But, but this can spiral out of control in a hurry. This is what's happening to our cities to cities that are run, in particular, to cities run by deranged left-wing radicals that just want to get Trump. They think that's the whole objective for their city or for their state, in the, in the case of Governor Hochul. Listen to, to this guy. This is uh, Kevin O'Leary. He's on the Shark Tank show, whatever that is. Evidently has a lot of money and is an investor in New York City. But listen to him drop... Uh, a truth bomb. I think this is on MSNBC, clip one. Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you I know. get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building 
And he says it's worth $400 million, and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on Earth, including every American city. Every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building, and they say it's worth 400 The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good, and they say, no, it's worth $300. we are only going to loan you $150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then... In this case, even, the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to. But the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for $355 million. And if we're going to do that, let's penalize all the developers all across America. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. It just took one judge at the direction of Joe Obama's DOJ. You've got all these prosecutors coming in and out of the White House, whether they're in Georgia or D.C. or New York. You've got Alvin Bragg. You've got Letitia James. You've got Fannie Willis. She made another appearance in the, uh, in the churches over the weekend. She's very religious. And, and also, by the way, a victim. She's a victim and Donald Trump isn't. No, no, no. He needs to go to prison because the studio audience in, in Colbert's show says so. Yeah, they're cheering for it. Here's a guy that's just a businessman. And he's saying, hold, hold on a second. Where is the fraud? What are you talking about? Everybody negotiates this way. Who, who's the victim? And, and you can ask a lot of similar questions about the January 6th protesters. Yes, there were some that vandalized the place or threw papers on the floor. But who is the victim? Well, you could argue pretty compellingly that the victim, victim was Donald Trump because all of those senators, all of those Congress people that were prepared to expose fraud, they just uh, very, very weakly caved into the intimidation tactics and went ahead with the charade, went ahead with, went ahead with the communists that did not want any discussion on voter fraud. They got what they wanted. It was a total setup. And yet they're still, what is the name of the, the speech? There's three years on defending the sacred cause of American democracy. The speech in which the fake president bragged about how many Trump supporters he's put in jail, how many Trump supporters his uh, DOJ has prosecuted, how many years collectively they're going to be behind bars for trespassing, trespassing when most of them, most of them did that because the doors were open. Pretty unbelievable. This was uh, the same guy, Kevin O'Leary over at uh, Fox News, clip two. And that's why New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. There he is on Fox. And uh, Jesse uh, had some commentary on, I think this was the five last night as well, just talking about how much uh, Donald Trump has done for the, the city of New York in, uh, in particular, 
This is clip three. With respect, Jessica, know nothing about real estate, real estate valuations, real estate development, or the IRS, or getting loans from big banks to develop skylines in New York City. Donald Trump did more for New York City than a thousand Letitia James has done. <laughs> and if you look at this history of this case, she's gone after now Cuomo, Donald Trump, the NRA, the NYPD, and she's done nothing on street crime, nothing on real white collar crime. And then her phony friend, Alvin Bragg, if you just try to defend yourself working at a bodega or on the subway, he goes after you. That's why 160 businesses have left New York. That's why almost a million New Yorkers have left. This is an unsafe climate if you have a certain political opinion. That's why companies don't do business in Venezuela, Russia, Pakistan, because it's corrupt. Because if you're on the other side of the political people that are in power at the time, they'll target your business. And I like the fact that you said you're not supposed to mess with your books or you're supposed to tell the truth to the IRS, because that's not what the Biden family business has done. Yeah, you talk about cooking the books. It's a good point. But here, here, just looking at the bottom line, 160 businesses have fled New York City. And then you've got a, a million people moving to places like Florida and Texas. You might have seen the clip of Charles Barkley. He's the NBA uh, commentator. And he was talking on their little panel of discussion about the streets of San Francisco. Listen to what he had to say, clip 14. If you had a if you had a chance of being cold or being around a bunch of homeless crooks in San Francisco, when you no, we don't. Yes, we do. You can't even walk around down yes, there. You can't walk around. Yeah, with a bulletproof bag. You can't even walk around in San Francisco, he joked, without a bulletproof uh, vest. And then all the homeless, all the filth and squalor. That's another, in another big U.S. city run by communist authoritarian regimes and have been for decades and decades and decades. And people are fleeing. People are moving elsewhere. Residents that have been there for, in some cases, decades and decades, they're moving to another state. Listen to this. I mean, it's, it's not in English, so I don't, it's not a super long clip. But this is an immigrant from Hong Kong. She doesn't even have, she doesn't even have U.S. citizenship yet. And yet she just got put on or voted into or whatever it was. It's an election commission in San Francisco. I mean, you can't make this up. This is a clip 13. 那就其實在兩年前我來到三藩市的時候,我曾經認識了很多原來三藩市有很多的權利,很多權利是很多三藩市的公民,移民都可以享有的包括促進會任職倡導的黃榮軍是香港移民,他今天在三藩市市參市培
KQED reported Thursday that Hong Kong immigrant Kelly Wong is believed to be the first non-citizen appointed to the commission. She can't vote, but she's going to monitor voting in San Francisco. Wong, an immigrant rights advocate who came to the U.S. from Hong Kong in 2019, she's only been here five years, was sworn in uh, in San Francisco City Hall. In an interview with the outlet prior to her swearing in, Wong talked about the importance of getting immigrants, especially those who can't speak English, informed about the voting process. This is perfect for Joe Biden. Joe Obama's probably going to hire her. Don't forget what the fake president said in the lead up to the 2020 presidential contest. This was clip 12. We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Communist rule right there. It's all over the place. To the point where this guy is is actually bragging, bragging about how many Americans, political dissidents, that he's put in prison. More and more, it's it's hard to find much of a difference. Uh, Putin perhaps is a lot more ruthless. He'll knock you off of an apartment building if you're a harsh critic of him. But look at the communists that are in control here in, in America. I mean, we just, last week on this program, we were talking about John Brennan and how he's the one that ordered the hit on a, pres- a political opponent, Donald Trump, and used American allies abroad. American allies from Australia, from New Zealand, from the UK, from Canada, to cook up this, this hoax. <laughs> to, to pretend that Donald Trump was some kind of a Russian agent. And then he doesn't announce or come out with uh, any kind of a statement following Navalny's death. Not soon enough, anyway. And you see the same, you see the same Trump-Russia collusion hoax. It's just embedded into their coverage of everything. Every single story. Meanwhile, look at the destruction, the desolation the invasion. You know, the talking heads saying there's no similarities whatsoever. Joe Biden doesn't just, he doesn't just waltz right into a country. He doesn't just invade Ukraine. Well, look at what he's doing at the southern border. That's an invasion. And who's orchestrating that? Who's behind it? Uh, Joe Obama's behind the invasion of his own country. That's what it amounts to. And it's so laughable, it's, it's shameful, and it makes you want to cry almost. You've got immigrants from other nations running the election system, in, uh, at least in the, in the city of San Francisco, and people fleeing New York by, by the millions to go to Florida and places like that. This famous, I guess... Um, He's a commentator on the economy, and I guess the guy's had a 50-year track record, which is, is pretty stellar 
But uh, this article cites him at the beginning, basically saying that the dollar's finished. You look at what Joe Biden is doing to the economy. You look at the way he's running up inflation. You look at the way he's spending and, and printing and spending trillions. You look at the way he wants to send hundreds of billions abroad. It's unsustainable. Richard Bove is his name. It says, the dollar is finished as the world's reserve currency, the 83-year-old told the New York Times in a recent interview. Days after he announced his retirement on Bloomberg, Bove didn't offer a lengthy expl explanation on why he believed the dollar's days as the world's favored reserve currency were numbered, though he cited the likelihood of China eventually surpassing the U.S. economy and the decline of American manufacturing as catalysts. This, uh, another, <laughs> another thing that this fraudulent administration never confronts is China. Because, well, they're making money hand over fist from the CCP. It says here, a recent analysis from J.P. Morgan concluded that the dollar's hegemony is in question. Further on, the article says, the reasons nations are dumping dollars as a reserve currency are no doubt complicated and manifold and likely include the U.S. decision to freeze hundreds of billions of dollars held by Russia following its invasion of Ukraine. That decision, um, this other guy told Reuters in December, has left many nations wondering, what if you fall on the wrong side of sanctions? What happens to global currencies? And keep in mind, Herbert Armstrong, you can read about this and he was right, but Herbert Armstrong talked about a financial crisis, an economic crisis that would serve as a trigger to really bring all of these nations together in Europe as the seventh and final resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire. If you don't have a copy of that brochure, you can call the 800 number that's there on the lower third. But it says here, geopolitics aside, there was a, always a danger of tethering global finance to fiat money. This article gives some, some history as well and says that the founders, they, they hated paper money because, I mean, if it's going to hold its value, it's got to be tied to something valuable like gold or whatever. Fiat money has an infamous reputation in American history and for good reason. America's first experiment with un unbacked paper money, the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1690, ended in disaster, as did several fiat experiments during the Revolutionary War that nearly cost the colonials the war. This is likely one reason America's founding fathers feared and detested fiat money. George Washington said unbacked paper money was all but certain to ruin commerce, oppress the honest, and open the door to every species of fraud and injustice. And look at, look at what's happening to America today. Now you just routinely hear these talking heads, the millionaires, get up and say the economy's fantastic. It's never been better. Jobs, jobs, jobs everywhere. I've got another story here. I don't know if I'll have time to get to it. Morgan Stanley... It's, it's laying off several hundred in a wealth management division. Last week, I went, <laughs> I went through all the cuts that they're making in the regime media. You know, the very ones that are reporting, that are out there saying that the economy's never been better. They can't seem to hold on to their job at the LA Times. 
or wherever. Morgan Stanley plans to cut several hundred jobs in its wealth management division as a new chief executive seeks to rein in costs in an area that is critical to the Wall Street firm's success but has shown signs of weakening, weakening lately. So here's this big Wall Street firm. That's in New York City too, by the way. So there's mass layoffs there. They're trying to run away Donald Trump and all his companies. 160 businesses have fled the city, including a million people. But don't forget about Trump. The fact that he didn't send out a statement following Navalny's death. That's the big story. Exploding heads, really. It says here, perhaps nobody, this is back to the article about the death of the dollar that's coming. Thomas Jefferson agreed, paper is poverty. It's only, it is only the ghost of money and not money itself. Perhaps nobody said it better than James Madison, the father of the Constitution, who called paper money unjust. This is, these are just words of wisdom from America's founding fathers. What was that story where they, I don't know if I brought a story along with it, but they came out with some survey yesterday. I've got a clip from Joy Reid. Uh, and it's among historians who have concluded that top to bottom, here are the best and worst presidents. And guess who they put at the absolute bottom, right at the very bottom? You know the answer. This is a clip five. Well, Trump got his wish. A new poll out today shows that he is not Herbert Hoover. He's actually way, way worse. The poll of historians and scholars ranks every president in U.S. history from best to worst. And while Herbert Hoover received the 36th spot, Trump is ranked dead last at 45. Behind the likes of Richard Nixon, Franklin Pierce, even William Henry Harrison, who died 31 days after taking office. There you go. You can see, well, I don't know, they don't have the top of the list there. I think it was maybe Lincoln. And then the second one was FDR. So the FDR is right at the top. And then Donald Trump is right at the bottom. And, and I see these kinds of reports and I think, so what's the problem then? What are you, what are you so afraid of? Wait, why do you fear Donald Trump if he's that bad? I mean, he's the worst ever. And then they had, uh, what, Barack Obama was up at number seven? Joe Biden, I think, was 14 on the list. The 14th best president in American history. Well, what is happening to our historians? They're, they're almost as bad as the regime media. And in fact, you've got them. On the MSNBC panels, you see him all the time. Beschloss, and who's the other one? I forget. He, he actually bragged about, you know, I'm here basically to help the Biden people. He's a historian. Forget the name of the guy. My son and I read, we tried to read one of his books about five, ten years ago. It was dreadful. Just horrible. What a, what a, what a worldview to have. Hate America. And then, you know, do your reporting do your, do your biography through that prism. The ratings on these shows, they tell you all that you need to know as well. But coming back to Trump, if, if he's the... You can just feel how excited Joy Reid was to get into that as a segment. 
Yeah, Trump's actually the worst in history. The worst in American history. And then on some of these same programs, you'll have, you'll have the, these, these communist authoritarians coming from the left that will at the same time say, I can't understand why people keep voting for Trump. I mean, he's the worst in history. There was one from, uh, getting a little bit uh, mixed up on my notes. This was, uh, this was Elizabeth Warren in uh, a podcast, and the guy was basically saying, you know, Trump's economy has been pretty good, and people, uh, you know, people seem to like him and are going to vote for him. And listen to how uh, Elizabeth Warren, she's a, a senator that's a radical leftist. Listen to how she responded to the exchange, clip seven. Why do you think that people... Uh, all the polls show like a lot of voters look back on the Trump years and they think they didn't like a lot about it, but they think the economy was good in the Trump years. <laughs> and I know that like we weren't. I know, well, at the, at the end, clearly. And then w at the end, when COVID happened and, you know, they, they figure, oh, well, COVID happened all around the world. And so, of course, the economy went south. But, you know, before that, Donald Trump was uh, he was presiding over an OK economy. You know, again. I don't know. I, I can't explain. I can't explain polling. No, I mean, I, I yeah, can't. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I can't. And I can't explain how the narratives come to be. Did she just say that she can't explain politics? She's a politician. She can't understand why people could possibly vote for Trump. Listen to Representative Benny Thompson. He was on the, the Jan 6 committee creating all of that Jan 6 insurrectionist propaganda. This is clip eight. I'm not surprised, but I'm really disappointed that there are still so many people in this country who somehow see this person as a viable choice to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. I can't understand it. <laughs> Haven't you seen the poll? He's the worst president in U.S. history. They can't understand it. That's why they want to put him in prison. That's why they want to send him to Siberia, politically speaking. If, if they had an opportunity to actually send Donald Trump to a Siberian gulag, do you think they'd do it? Of course they would. Look at, what they're, look at the speech the fake president gave on January 5th. Look at what he's bragging about. Look at what they're trying to do in D.C., in Florida, in Georgia, in Manhattan. Look at how much they find him. How's he going to come up? As I understand it, I think he has to put up that money even to get an appeal. He says he's going to appeal it, but now Donald Trump's got to go find, what, $360 million in cash? Or $450 million? What a system. You see why. An ordinary individual would just be crushed. They have no opportunity to defend themselves. How are you going to defend yourself in a D.C. court? That's why it's gotten the nickname, the D.C. Gulag. Because Democrats are using it to persecute political dissidents. To persecute Trump supporters. It's happening right here in America. And they cheer. They celebrate it. This article, the death of the dollar. Meanwhile, you look at what's happening in the United States. This is quoting Madison again. It says, it is unconstitutional for it affects 
the rights of property as much as taking away equal value in land. It's unjust to have the whole system set up on paper money. Eventually, it's going to be as worthless as monopoly money. That's what they're saying. Madison understood that expending the money supply was akin to a tax, the most universal tax of all, in the words of economist Thomas Sowell. And evidence shows political leaders have hardly exercised this enormous power responsibly. Inflation just goes higher and higher and higher, and it's effectively taxing the citizens. A look at the money supply reveals that leaders in Washington have grown addicted to expanding it to finance their agendas, primarily wars, bureaucracy, and the welfare state. As a result, the dollar has lost roughly 80% of its value since 1971. That's only 50 years, 50 plus years. And the dollar has lost 87% of its value. Meanwhile, the national debt is expected to reach $144 trillion by 2053. That's just 30 years away. $144 trillion. And these communist authoritarians in the D.C. swamp, they just think this is going to go on and on and on forever? Well, so many of them, Nancy Pelosi and her family, they've got, they've got a net worth of $200 million or so, so they're not worried about it. The paper money system is working out pretty good for them. They have a lot of it. And even if it loses more and more of its value, what does it matter? What does it matter to the regime media? That's there celebrating when a MAGA supporter goes behind bars and he doesn't have really any, he doesn't have any kind of defense. Just give him the public defender in D.C., get him to give his confession, and then send him off to the gulag. says here, this might not be the only reason the sun may be setting on the dollars. Well, let me just back up. $144 trillion by 2053, according to the Congressional Budget Office, which will take an even greater uh, toll on the dollar. This might not be the only reason the sun may be setting on the dollar's global hegemony, but it's certainly one of them. The signs are all around us the signs of an imminent collapse. And at the same time, and you see it in some of those clips I just played for you, you see those who are acknowledging that these are some of the reasons that Donald Trump will return. And we have a lot to say that, about that, I should say. In, you know about this book, you should, America Under Attack. If you don't have a copy of America Under Attack, just call our operators today and request your free copy. Well, I don't have as many emails on my notes as I would like, but I pulled it up here, and we can use the last three, four minutes to go through some email feedback. This one regarding uh, yesterday's show, New York State elites destroy New York economy in order to get Trump. It says, I would like to add that by saying that many truckers are angry about it and are now refusing to take deliveries to New York City, 
And the trucker boycott is, is growing, which will totally affect supply lines, causing food, gas, fuel, oil shortages, etc., and dramatically causing increase in costs for everything, especially essentials. It says here, even, even causing employment or businesses to shut down. This really has the potential to get out of control. Anyway, thank you for all of your fine articles and lessons. If you'd like to email the show, by the way, you can send us a comment at tdatthetrumpet.com. Another one here says, thank you for the Bible study today. It was exactly what the doctor ordered. Keep on keeping on. We've already been given the victory when we finish the race. It says, encouraging show today. This is uh, in response to one we had last week. Encouraging show today, Mr. Flurry. Thanks to all of you. Another one writes, love your shows. Just wanted to tell you that I'm reading your book, Raising the Ruins. Uh, I did read it when it came out in 2006. I'm really enjoying it, complete with all the facts. You did a wonderful job in writing it. I would tell all of your audience to definitely read this book, either for the first time or again. We watch your show every evening. Love the show and you. This is the one they were talking about. And I emailed them last night and said, I have been, I, I did spend a lot of time putting that together. I had a lot of help, by the way, with research and such. But uh, I've been meaning to read this again. It's hard, it's hard to believe it came out in 2006. I mean, that's uh, almost 18 years ago, the fall of 2006. But if you don't have a copy of this, again, all that we offer on this program is, is offered without cost or obligation. All you got to do is call the 800 number. If you live in the, the United States, Canada, or the Caribbean, you can also email your requests to uh, the show uh, as well. Uh, another one here, let's see, I have to hurry. During today's uh, misconduct hearing in Atlanta, this is regarding the Fanny hearing last week, uh, Willis was allowed to behave like an uncontrolled bucking bronco facilitated by Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott uh, McAfee who acted as a hapless rodeo clown, preceded by her special prosecutor and ex-lover, Nathan Wade, who came across as a, a thirsty, skillless cowboy. To think that any of those three are qualified to prosecute or judge President Donald Trump over, over patently false claims of an election steal, while the exact opposite is provably true, is beyond a travesty. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. That's all we have time for on today's show, unfortunately. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thanks for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>